Hey, Tara. Hey, Johnny. Here we are, another Tuesday again. <laughs> yes, and you are seeing me. Not really, because we're in isolation. And by the way, has this happened to you? Have you lost all sense of what day is what day? Constantly. I'm, I'm, I'm always going, wait, what? And I have to go over to my calendar and look or turn on my phone. Yeah. And you know what's worst about that is I've been eating like it's the weekend every day. Because on the weekend, I kind of like don't give a shit what I eat. And so it's like, I, I think I made a batch of brownies and I'm pretty sure it's the batch. This was like yesterday. I'm pretty sure that Kyle hasn't had any because he doesn't really have a sweet tooth and it's almost all gone. So, oh, I, honey. I know, I know, I know. Well, I'm, I'm, and I know you're one of these people, so I'm kind of bitch slapping you a little bit, but I am so annoyed at all of the people who are exercising outside my front door. Well, I haven't I, lately. I've been actually okay. just walking the dog, but yeah, I, I will get back into that. It's, you know, it's the proverbial getting, you know, uh, once you get off the horse, getting back on it, you know, you're just like, but do I really well, need to? That's Isn't why I've never, no, that's why I've never gotten on that horse. Cause I don't want to, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. And then, you know, just, I, I've also kept the news off. Okay. So, so I read things about the thing because I get it just makes me too crazy and panicked. And uh, Kyle will watch. Did you the just news, refer so. to it as the thing? Yeah, that's going at the thing now. Okay. The thing, it's the thing because it kind of is the thing, like that it weird thing. movie, like from our childhood, where like it would appear on walls and shit. But um, so I've been isolating of isolation. I'm completely. Uh, slightly apolitical, which is also kind of weird. I feel like politics has taken a total backseat to some degree. Um, I find that to be really interesting, considering we're in the middle of a political season. Um, but here we are, and we have yet another brilliant guest. So, we you know, do. yeah, yeah, we do. We really do. And, and um, I, doing this podcast is keeping me sane. It really is. Because yeah, otherwise, oh I'd, I'd literally be staring at the wall going, what yeah. is it? Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. It's, you know, it keeps us busy in every level and engaged. And that's really fun. Um, so this, was that a throwback? Was that a throwback to Patrick? To Patrick? Doing? Yeah. My engaged. engaged. Uh, but we have another superstar of the galaxy today, actually. Um uh, and I, I once I'm very lucky. I've gotten to work with some legends. I, I have to not to pat myself on the back. I'm just incredibly lucky. Oh, and sweetie, thank you. That's so sweet. That really just touched me. I mean, I don't I know if touch, I I'm, not, I'm nowhere near enough to touch you. Yeah, well, okay. But let's uh, just say thank you. I really, I, I've never considered myself sure. a legend, but of, thank of you. Of course, you are. You're a legend in your own mind. <laughs> But this legend that I am talking about, I got a chance to work with almost exclusively for six years on major crimes and a couple of years prior to that on, on The Closer. And we just had a, a close bond and we would have lots of conversations outside the morgue, set morgue, FYI, not a real morgue, uh, about life and politics. And uh, I just think she's just an, uh, a wonderful, wonderful woman. Our, our guest coming up is the one and only Mary McDonald. And I know you, Tara, are a big fan. I am a big fan, and I can't wait to, to chat with her and and hear all of the fun things that you got to talk about. So this is going to be another good show. 
Well, we haven't had a sucky show yet. Do me a favor. Don't embarrass me in front of Mary, please. Please do not oh degrade or embarrass me in front of Mary. Oh <laughs> Control <my God>. yourself. <laughs> you are. So, you know what? You would never say this if we were in the studio because you know I'd hit you. So you just zip it. All you're right. real brave All right. when you're, when you're Cal- at home. Calm down, it. Mary. <laughs> no, Mary's coming up. I know. Uh, All right. When we come right, back, so- the one and only, the exciting, wonderful, multi-time Oscar-nominated Mary McDonald. Welcome back, everyone. We are very, very excited to have on the phone the one and only, my darling and dear friend, Mary McDonald. Hi, Mary. <laughs> Hello, Josh. Hello, Tara. I'm Hi, Mary. very happy to be I'm I'm very, very, very happy to be here. I was looking forward to this. Um, Any any kind of connection right now is so profoundly heartwarming. So thank you for inviting me into your amazing world that you two keep creating. (laughs) It's a kooky world. (laughs) It it is a kooky world. Well, I think that's why we decided to keep to keep going with the podcast, especially during this time, is I think it's so important for people to be able to listen and reach out. And I have been talking to people I haven't talked to in years. It's kind of amazing. If there's one positive, maybe that's it. Well, it does seem to be, it does seem to be the, the, um, the center of this storm, the inside the eyes of this extraordinary shift in our the way we are connected and it, it, it really is beautiful I think we're all experiencing that I've been trying to imagine us going through this without technology and what it really must have been like in 1918 I just can you, I can't it brings me to my knees yeah you know when I think about how um how far we've come we're we're in such a terrible moment but we are also in such a brilliant moment. I think when just watching the scientists and doctors, and it's just extraordinary to see what who we really are on the on the on the planet, really, in the face of this. Um, I find it very humbling. Anyway, you it you, is you all, yeah. I was to say it, it's almost um, the potential. You know, there, there's always there's always these potentials of of a uh, consciousness shift in the world, right? There's all the there, yeah. they, the potentials are always there. They were there in 9/11. We had it momentarily, where we had that sort of unification. Didn't matter what party you were, it you were just a, a citizen of humanity, you know, and the whole world mm-hmm. was with us. And I feel like mm-hmm. this is kind of one of those moments that it's an opportunity for us to be better, you know. I don't yeah. want to say be best, but, <laughs> <'cause that's, laughs> but be better. Yes. You uh, best not say be best. <laughs> no, let's not. Best not say be best. But I want to start with some. Um, I want to. I want to talk to you about your your uh, incredibly epic career, Mary. Oh I mean, God. your career has just been really enviable to any of us that are actors you know you've had a sustained uh amount of work through theater and film and television that continues and uh i just want to like 
I wanna I wanna talk to you about how it all started for you. Like, at what age did you want to become an actor, and well, what's your story on that? Oh well, first of all, thank you. I started acting when I was in college. I stumbled upon it. I had no idea I was creative. I don't think I, you know, uh, I barely colored a coloring book. Do you know what I'm saying? I was an athlete. And I, <laughs> and I think I did have a teacher once who told me I wrote a good poem, and he asked me if I understood anything about my own creativity, and I laughed. <laughs> oh, cheerleading God. practice. And so um, I did. I did. Well, you have now, the hair. <laughs> oh, oh, no, Jonathan, I, I was a great, well, I think I was a great cheerleader. I don't think my squad would agree with you. But <laughs> oh, who cares about the squad? But I wanted to say, Tara, in 1979, I had been in New York for five years. I was working as a, you know, everything. I sold fuller brush. I was a waitress. I was a bartender. I was everything. I was in classes. I was whatever. And um, I got cast in Sam Shepard's Buried Child. Mm-hmm. And we opened it at Theater Delete. And then we transferred it to Circle Rep. And then mm-hmm. we were rehearsing to go in. Uh, Gertrude Stein. Gertrude Stein, Gertrude Stein was running. Mm-hmm. And I watched your mom perform that play because I volunteered as an usher about five times. Wow. And it was extraordinary. I never, ever, ever forgot it because it was the first time I actually saw, first of all, a woman take on an entire story herself single handedly. But also, even though I didn't know what this meant, I knew intuitively I was watching a perfectly crafted performance. I just wanted to tell you that. Mary, that is so that is so lovely, and I so appreciate that. And I have to tell you something. I um, we're going to get back to you in a second, but I. The, no, I, I want to guys. No, no, Mary, this is about you, damn it. Um, no, when I saw my mom do that performance, that was the first time, because I'd always seen my mom do sitcoms and game shows, and yeah. that was the first time that I went, oh, my God, she's an actress, you yeah. know, and I oh, told yeah. her that, you know, and, and yeah. it, it was an extraordinary performance, and I'm so glad you got to experience it, and... And thank you for those kind words. It is inside, Jonathan, sort of the question you asked me. I also just, before I leave you, Tara, your performance in Jonathan's brilliant short, Two with Alice, was exquisite. So, and Jonathan, you know what fan I am of you, so I'll just shut up about you guys. I wanted you to to tell us a little bit about how that early theater, you know, you did a ton of theater in New York. When did you start to transition into film? And did you have any idea that you would end up getting nominated for a couple of Academy Awards and then Emmys and and, and end up being, you know, you weren't 25 when you were on the billboard for major crimes. You you, you broke ground as a woman um, in so many levels. And did did you ever see that coming? No. I... I, I, Are you kidding me? No, I've never seen any of it coming. I had gone out once to get coffee in the morning, and the man who 
ran the theater was on the street and I hadn't seen him for months and months. And he said, Mary, how are you? And I said, I'm good. How are you? And he said, have you auditioned for Barry Child yet? And I said, what's Barry Child? And he said, we're doing Sam Shepard's new piece. Barry Child, um, the auditions have been being held for weeks. And I said, oh, no, I missed that one. He goes, oh, run down there today and drop off your picture. It might be too late to try. Okay. So I got my resume and I got on the subway and I went over and I walked into the theater. The door was open and um, ran into this man who was sitting on the floor with this really long curly hair and dark and just this amazing creature. And he was surrounded by pictures and resumes. And I said, hey, I'm here to drop off my resume. And he goes, who are you? I said, my name is Mary. And um, could you get this to the director, please? And he goes, I'm the director. (laughs) And it was Robert Woodruff. Oh, um, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that amazing? And he took my resume and he just kind of read it through. And he goes, um... And he looked at me really oddly, you know. He looked at me like, "What? where did you come from? And I said, I worked here. Um, I ran into George Bartania. He and Crystal, I directed, they directed a play of theirs, yada, yada. He goes, well, can you come in tonight and read? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, hold on. And he walked out, and they came back with the script. And oh I went home gosh. and read it. And I went in that night, and I read for Shelley. And I came back. I had five callbacks. Wow. Oh, my God. With different people in the cast. And it was really fun. We all sort of got to know each other. There was a few different people who came in and out, but he finally assembled that uh, group of people. And we did the play. And, you know, Robert Woodruff, he was incredibly um, important in my career in in this. He... He insisted that we go out every night and try something risky. Even on opening night, he assembled us backstage and said, okay, here's your chance to go try something new. Oh, wow. Be ready ready for the other person's impulse. And he would have us sometimes at rehearsal throw the basketball to each other. Just mm-hmm. around in the circle and surprise each other with, mm-hmm. you know, a um, an impulse. So yep. through that experience, I learned, and in the middle of that, and in the middle of that experience, I saw amazing people work, like your mother Tara. And then that experience led me to Emily Mann auditioning me for Buried Child, which brought me into the Women's Project. Mm-hmm. And in the Women's Project for eight years, I had a home, and in that place with under you know Julia Miles and Emily Mann's direction I worked with her over and over again I started to form my um my identity I guess if we each have one as an artist we understand Mm -hmm. everything about ourselves that's specific to us and it really um it's it shifted my focus away from being an actress and into being a mirror for primarily women. You've led us into a really great topic, which I really, really want to talk with you, and that's the, the topic right. of women, women in power, 
which is, uh, you know, been a big part of your life and your career. And we want to dig into that a little bit deeper. So when we come back, more with Mary McDonald. We are back and we are, are, are just so blessed to have Mary McDonald with us. Now, Mary, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a little bit. You just talked about Julia Miles, who was the founder of the Women's yeah. Project, and she passed away last week. Yeah. And I know she was a mentor of yours. Um, the Women's Project, for people who don't know, is an extraordinary. It's, it, can you talk about what, what it is and what she created, which was and is still going today and is, yes. Well, back in 1979, um, uh, all around, the, you know, the late 70s and mid to mid-80s in New York, where it was a really interesting shift in, in my experience as, as led by Julia, who identified um, at a certain point that, that there, you know, there was a lack of, of female voices in the theater. And so she was able to create a home to begin to explore women writers uh, directed by female directors. Um, And so I was fortunate enough to step into that. uh, Actually, it was sort of a a haven for um, the feminine at a time when we still had incredibly unconscious bias in the theater of budding writers uh, of that time who are now became some of our more prominent writers and still are. And she brought us together and gave us a place to start working out the voice. And people started creating plays and rewriting plays, workshopping plays, and then she started producing plays. And it's, it's still a very vibrant and necessary part of the American theater today. I just wanted to to talk to you about one of your quotes in her uh, the piece on her on in the New York Times. You talk about having had a bad review in a in a play, and she taking you to lunch and talk to you about developing an in, an inner emotional muscle as a woman uh, that yeah. would, uh, that would protect you when when you when you would um, you know make choices that didn't fit the paradigm of the time. I'm sure that must have served you all the way up until today, you know, through major it's crimes still and all of it. Me. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, imagine that. Like I was what, twenty eight, twenty nine, something like that. I don't know. I don't like to keep track. Um, but <laughs> Neither do I. I, I <laughs> Neither do I. I know. I literally had gotten slammed. I mean, we weren't talking about like just a bad mention. I was out there playing this role that just was, it might have been way beyond my skill set for sure, but everything we did back then was beyond anyone's skill set. We were, you know, pushing the envelope. And the traditional (laughs) point of view did not um, receive what I was doing well at all. And in a very visible journal, uh, really took me apart. (laughs) and I was uh, shook to the core by this now it didn't matter that there were other points of view out there other reviews that might have even said quite the opposite once you get you see the bad one you can't shake it that's all you see really once you see the bad one yeah 
not only that, but suddenly, like, people who know you, your friends and supporters, they kind of are busy for the next few weeks, and they used to be because, <laughs> because like, nobody wants to tell you they read it, and nobody yeah. wants to, because they don't know if you have, and, right. they, you know, and so, and the world used to go silent. I mean, it can't go silent anymore because of technology, but back then, like, there weren't any messages on my telephone. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I mean? And that, it's horrifying. It was horrifying. So I was really shook to my core, but I had to keep performing. And she yep. took, she called me and she goes, Mary, it's Julia. Let's go to lunch. And I believe she took me to like the Russian tea room or something. Because nice. Julia was the classiest woman ever. Yeah. And she just went right into it. She said, I want to talk about this review and I want to point, I want to show you some things. And so she kind of broke it down for me. And then she showed me, this is how she said it. Here are the other women that this man has vilified. Go read their review. And like she oh, gave wow. me this context through which to see where I was at in the culture and and that when you step out and you push open something, even if you are, you may not be ready and it may not be a perfect performance. And some, a lot of people like it, a lot of people won't like it. But the point is, you have to be willing to keep stepping out. So you better look at it rather than just retreat into sort of the ego response, which is, I mustn't be very good. Right. So how do we get out of the ego response? Without her using that language, she was basically giving me a way out, which is to right. look at, the, look, when something like that happens in your career as an artist, you need to look at the world you're in and how you may or may not have either pushed a button, you know, pushed someone's buttons, or maybe you did miss the mark or whatever, but look at it rather than react to it and, and wonder if you could have performed better. Well, <laughs> she had a know, whole different point of view. This brings me to Hillary Clinton, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, we had Jerry Ryan on the show uh, a few months ago. Oh, no, I and she, Great. Yes. And she, and of course, Kata, who's a dear friend of mine, um, Mazur talk tell, tells the story of election night 2016 at major crimes uh, in your trailer doing a toast and the, the kind of conversation that happened amongst the women that night where Jerry was saying, what if she doesn't win? What do I tell my daughter? And uh, tell us that, do you remember that, that, ex, that exchange with the, with the ladies at major crimes? I, you know, I, I'll be very frank with you. I have, like a blank spot of those few days. And when we were talking about watching Hillary documentary, and I said I'd take a look because I'd been avoiding it because I think I blacked out a little bit. I was so, um, I don't know what, oh, tell me about it. Because I know we had a lot of, there were women in my trailer and we were trying to yeah, you all went into your trailer to do a toast. It was election night. You were all working. Oh yes, and, I remember that. And the Jerry, toast well, Kata remembers <laughs> it too. And Jerry had said, "Guys, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot. You know, I'm frightened. I'm seeing a lot of pro-Trump things. My, her own parents were pro-Trump, and um, and you said to her, and she said, "What do I tell my daughter?" And you say, "It doesn't matter because this is still a really big moment for women." And uh, yeah. 
that that was my takeaway actually from the Hillary documentary. Why watching it was re- useful for me was that yeah. yeah, it triggered a lot of really bad memories of that night. But you know, what an extraordinary woman, and she really did challenge the status quo very much, like your mentor told you about your work. And so, um, wh- where do you think we are with women in leadership in this country? What what? What the fuck is wrong with this country? Why are they so scared to elect a woman into power? Well, I think, Jonathan, you know, as I'm watching sort of, um, as we all are watching what's going on right now, um, I think that what's become even more clear, and it's, it's manifested itself now into literally a sickness, is that um, it's, it's, the resistance to the power of the feminine uh, in on the earth is really what's going on. Mm-hmm. And because the country has been for so many decades the world leader in the male paradigm and the sort of commercial paradigm and the kind of uh, patriarchal uh, capitalistic paradigm, the resistance to the feminine impulse that is happening and blossoming everywhere in within all of us. I'm not talking about gender here. Of like course. Feminine as the earth. Um, the fact that the earth has been hurting and whether it's trying to save the environment or women finally, finally being healed through me too, it's all the same movement. And so when when you look at what was happening running into the pandemic, we were going through the, we've been going through the pro, you know, getting the primaries, right? Yes. And watching the women step back or be pushed back or be felled time and time again. The night that Elizabeth, the day that Elizabeth Warren uh, removed herself was the first time I was able to truly, I think, feel the grief that I felt when Hillary lost. Mm. And it was, and and the reason is, Elizabeth Warren stood in front of her house and had a way, and then did that interview right after it with Rachel Maddow, mm-hmm. and had such an extraordinarily immediate response to every question that it was clear to me that what Hillary did, what Elizabeth Warren was doing, what all of these women out there are doing is exactly what you're talking about, which is they're not losing battles. They're staying in the moment and pushing the envelope. And it's a very powerful movement it's almost perhaps more powerful than if we had a woman at the top position who had her hands tied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's clear that there, that our presidency is not the most progressive position possible. No. That when you have a good president like we did with Obama, he allows the progressive movement to and the humane impulse to blossom by saying yes over and again, over and over again, but he was stymied over and over again. So, right. where do we where do we go? We just keep 
where are we? we get, we're exactly where we are. There's no way to identify because I don't think, I'm not sure it has a name yet. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. we are at a new place with everything. Yep. But I, I, at least I think that that's what this virus is showing us, that we are entering a brand new beginning. And I don't know, I'm going to be quiet now and you guys talk a little bit. No, 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 really, no, because that is, that, that, you know, it's interesting watching Nancy Pelosi, watching all of these yeah. women who are so extraordinary. And I keep yeah. going back to why, why won't this country, but it's what you just said. They are slowly chipping away and it mm-hmm. might not, it won't be this, this election, but I do believe that in the next election, because these women keep chipping away, that I, I do believe that, that we'll be in a better place to really consider electing a female. Right. I'm hoping. Well, Tara, we're already getting close to it because we know our Democratic uh, frontrunner is, is going, right. so, is That's going right. to choose a female. Right. So we have... The possibility, and I know we've had other female running mates, dare I say, but this is the possibility of seeing uh, one of the women that we actually feel is, is um, and there are many, many women out there who are completely ready to be president, but we're very close now to having a woman VP. Which would, mean, with, which would mean which would mean she would be president in four years because Biden Correct. won't run a second term. So, Correct. you know, Correct. that would be and, my guess. So, And it's going to be a different world. This is the other thing. We are going to have, I don't know how we're going to get through this presidency. I was listening to um, this, this election. I was listening to Stacey Abrams yesterday and I was like, I just want to call her every day and say, now what do we do? Because she mm-hmm. is... So she's really a leader in terms of protecting our vote and our ability to vote. I don't know how it's going to happen. To put that aside, somehow we're going to have an election. And I I do have great faith that we will elect a Democrat, given where we are right now. Good. Good. But it's going to be a fight for our lives. And it won't be easy because you also... Because also there will be a resistance to the legitimacy once the Democrat wins. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a big war ahead of us on many fronts. But I do think that we're going to have a woman vice president, potentially, in a time when the world has just completely changed because mm-hmm. of this virus. Yes. And so what an interesting possibility does that create? Mm. Big one, a big possibility. So it's a woman. It isn't a woman stepping in to the old paradigm and having to bump up against it and having us all still believe that all those structures work and having all of those things that make it impossible for whatever sort of collective circling the feminine we need. It's going to be a woman in a position where we have to reform everything because of what this pandemic is showing us. And that to me, I go, oh my gosh, there must be the universe at work here on some level. Absolutely. I really feel that way. 
Absolutely. I agree with that, Mary, 100 percent. It, it is a, a worldwide shakeup, you know. Yep. And I do believe that not right now because we're in it, but I truly believe that this will be some wonderful change is going to come out of this. Mm. So, my God, we're all still uplifting. I swear <laughs> to God. I want to take a little uplifting break and, and come back and talk to you about your activism because you are uh, you are doing a lot of things with your celebrity, and I think uh, I think other people should hear about them. So, um, when we come back, we'll talk a little deeper with Mary McDonald on activism. We're back with Mary McDonald, Mary. Uh, yes. Mary, my doll, um, yes. you yes. you have so many, darling, you have so many causes. And I know Native American schools are a big part of that. Did, did that come through your work in the film, Dances with Wolves, or were you always connected to that community? Oh, no. No, first of all, I don't consider myself an activist. Um, I, can, I, I try to be involved as much as possible, but... I, I, I'm an aspiring activist. Let me put it that way. Because, okay. because no, it's true. Jonathan, you are an activist. I, I have, I see activism out there and I aspire and I still feel like I'm in grade school that way. But there have been a few things that life has fortunately um, given me the opportunity to jump in without fear because I understood where I fit into the need, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And what happened with um, uh, Sintaglaska, which is a uh, university on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota, is directly related to Dances with Wolves. When mm-hmm. I was cast in Dances with Wolves, um, I was living in the Bronx and um, I didn't know, none of us knew how to approach it. I knew I had to understand how to speak as this woman. I didn't, anyway, Kevin Costner um, wonderfully and wisely hired a woman out in South Dakota. He was teaching at a little college that they had recently formed there called Sintagoska College on the Rosebud Reservation. And so she started coaching us. She sent us little audio cassette tapes of all of our lines in Lakota. And so I got to start practicing uh, the language through this woman's, um, through her efforts. So by the time we showed up for rehearsal, which was, we had a month rehearsal period, and we'd already practiced understanding what we had to say and what our cues were going to be when someone else said something in Lakota. So that woman became to me like my, uh, my mentor through the, through the, um, the entire situation. And it was the only place that I excelled, frankly, because every morning we got up at 6 a.m. First, we went to horseback riding. Oh my gosh. Then we went to bow and arrow school. Oh then we my went gosh. to rifle school. And wow. then, we would come, then we would come back and eat lunch in the hotel. And then, thank God, we would go to language school and script school. And I was doing really well because I was used to learning, doing accents and voices. <laughs> so what happened was they renamed me uh, in the morning because, like, they 
my a name amongst the cast was um, dust in her face, not stands for the fifth, because we would get on our horses in the morning. We had to ride bareback, and I didn't ride any kind oh, of back, let alone wow. bareback. Right. And, and I was the only woman. That, so the guys were just like all these chicken, wonderful Indian guys. And Kevin, these cowboy actor people and whatever, they would take off. And they would leave me in the dust. In the dust. <laughs> with, with this wonderful, wonderful wrangler from Montana who was in charge of me. And he was the most incredibly patient cowboy I've ever seen. And I would be literally holding on to the mane of my horse for dear life, even though I wasn't even moving. Waiting for the dust to settle, and then we would slowly step out. <laughs> so they thought I was a riot. So Doris Leader Charge was her name, and she was our language coach, and she became my touchstone because I had to find a place where I had confidence, and she helped me become really good at the accent and the language. Oh my God! Doris wow. became a dear friend, and in years later, when I was finally in a position to give back a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I became a little involved with Santa Glasca, which eventually became a university. And uh, so over the past, in, in the past decade, I've been more involved in helping Santa Glasca, but that was directly came from Doris's mentorship. It's funny. I think of you as a, very much an activist. And uh, to yeah. me, act- activism comes in different forms and shapes and you know, you oh, you know, even supporting other activists is a form of activism. So I'm mm. very grateful to have you um, out there speaking your mind and your voice. Um, I kind of want to. We kind of we kind of stopped the conversation a little bit on on your 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 journey into film and television. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, Dance of Wolves, one of my favorite films, Passion Fish, right, right there up on on my list. Yeah, your performance and in Passion Fish is just—it's perfection. It is. Oh my god, it is perfection. Um, did you then segue into television, or, or were you doing television at that time? Because it's such a different beast. Like filming, you know, yeah. people that aren't actors don't know how different yeah. the process is between a play. A movie and a television series, The Grind. I mean, Mary, the grind of major crimes was yeah was the pain was real. <laughs> you know, churning it, out that kind of work every week. You know, and, and you did it for for six years. Um, yeah, tell us about the, that. Okay, so John Sales wrote this extraordinary uh, film about the unionization of the coal mines in West Virginia in 1920, so it's kind of a Hatfield and McCoy story, and it was um, James Earl Jones and David Strathairn and Chris Cooper and Nancy Reddy and on and on and on, most amazing cast. And I somehow uh, got cast as the widow Radner and a single mom raising a son during a time of great violence and fear. So that was what I, how I learned what uh, acting in front of a camera was, was in front of John Sayles. When I think back on it, it was, it was divine providence for me because John Sayles works faster than the speed of light. 
the fastest film director I've ever witnessed. He was, he's one of our great, he is a brilliant, genius, independent filmmaker, and he has never succumbed to the big studio money or big studio schedules. And so when you're working with John, and he also directed Passion Fish and wrote it, and when you're working with John, He's so clear and so visionary about what he wants and the clarity of character, and he casts things perfectly, and he sends you a veritable, you know, diary of the character you're about to play before you play it. And so you people come set ready, and you are shooting your close-up before you've even had breakfast. Wow. So that was my beginning. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm actually not very good at repetition which drives, drove a lot of theater directors crazy. And so for me, the pace of television is actually very more natural to me oh, interesting. than the pace of film. So right. when I started to do some TV work, I felt like, oh, I like this. This is, I don't want to go back and do something again and again and again. I want to... I don't want to know exactly what I'm going to do, and I don't want it to get stale, and I don't want to be self-conscious. Therefore, right. there's not time for that to happen in this form. Therefore, I like it. What was your first TV series? Was it was it Battlestar Galactica? There was a comedy called ER, and I went in, and these guys go, said, "Boy, well, you're very funny. Why have you not done like any television, any comedy?" And I said, "Well, I live in." New York, and I'm a stage actress, and um, I've never auditioned for any television or anything out in California. I, you know, I mean, honestly, that's how green I was. And they said, "Well, we're we we would like you to um, to maybe do a callback for this." And I said, "Well, the thing is, um, when does I didn't even know what to ask. I, I swear to God, when does it shoot?" I said, well, when are you doing this? And they gave me the dates, and I said, oh, well, I'm about to, I'm leaving in a week to do um, a production of Three Sisters at the Guthrie Theater, directed, I thought this was important to them, directed by Livia Chule, and and so I won't be available to, so I probably shouldn't come for a callback because that would be misleading. Oh, my God. And there was this silence, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Saul and Bernie. Saul Turtletob and Bernie Orson, great comedy writers, right? Yes, they look at each other, and and one of them says to the other, "I don't know from this. Do you? Who is this? (laughs) What are you talking about?" And they started laughing, and they said, "You're kidding." And I said, "What? I I did not know what it was they were reacting to." They said, "You would go do a play at the Guthrie rather than." come to a callback for a TV show. I said, well, I've already said to the Guthrie I would do it. Right. <laughs> they oh they just couldn't, they didn't know what I was talking about. So <laughs> it was very nice to meet you all. And I left and I went to the Guthrie and they shot the pilot. I'm about three weeks away from the end of the run at the Guthrie. And this was with my husband. And I got a call three weeks before we were done saying, Saul and Bernie called. They want to recast the role. They shot the pilot. They got picked up for 13 episodes. They would like to offer you the role. 
for oh my years. goodness but you would have to leave in five days and I said okay um, so I did had done that and then you know back and forth pilot seasons this that and the other thing more plays blah 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 and then um, eventually I auditioned for Dances with Wolves and that changed things and and then I can't remember exactly what I did. I, I did like movies of the week for during that. Remember movies of the week? Oh, oh yeah. God, yes, yes. So I did. I did those for a while, and I, you know, auditioned for a lot of pilots and right. didn't get them. And then, um, but Battlestar Galactica came at a moment when I was in a period of redefining and transitioning and didn't know where my career was going to go. And it was a blank. It was an absolute blank. And this piece of work came to me literally out of the blue, (laughs) a spaceship. Um, And then, you know, and then that changed a lot for me. And I'm well, still everyone that, in this that moment. Everyone in, everyone in this industry, you know, watched that show. That show was, you know, just a favorite of people in the industry. And, and it's very interesting. You, you could do a show that is number one rated on CBS, you know, across the world. And yeah. no one in the industry looks at it. <laughs> no one knows you're in it. And then you can right. do a show that is not as known and yet has these tentacles. And I think that, that, that I know James Duff was a big fan of you on that yeah. and, and therefore brought you on to major crime. So, you know, yeah. lucky us that you came to LA and that you began this journey of television and film. Otherwise we would have never, you know, gotten to experience you on major crimes, which was, as we all know, fantastic work. Um, Mary, This has been such a joy to hear you in this time Mm -hmm. of isolation. Your voice brings great comfort to me. And I really appreciate you coming on. And um, please come back any, any time you want to talk about anything. We're here. Well, you know what I, you know what I was thinking the both of you um, is, uh, you know, Jonathan, we talked about me having the courage to finally sit down and watch um, the documentary Hillary, and yeah. I was just wanting to talk more about women. I would love to come back on after I watch it. Oh, great. Oh, Let's do that. And we can uh, talk because I think that would be a wonderful conversation if we just talked about it. Yes. I'll, I'll tell what you what. What do you what. think? I think that's a great idea, and I'm going to up the ante since. Um, we are probably a couple of months from finding out who the female vice president choice will be. Why don't yeah. we do that? Uh, why don't we do that show? We talk about the Hillary and where we are now. Oh, I love that. Well, I really appreciate both of you um, sort of in, sort of giving me a kick in the ass to get back inside my love for Hillary. I love her so much that I yeah. think I had, you know, disconnected. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't bear it, but I'm going to. I'm going to go okay. back and because she's at the core. We have so much more to talk about on our next show. I know. Well, I adore you. Thank you. Please stay safe. As I know you are, keep washing your hands. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. And, I thought you were um, going to say keep washing your hair. And I thought, well, okay. Well, yeah, we, I mean, we could, <laughs> we're a little judgmental that way. Well, we could do we a whole like podcast <laughs> on Mary's hair. Mary has the best hair in the business. Um, well, I love you. I love you both. Thank you for this opportunity and stay Thank you. safe. And yeah, and okay. we can't wait to we can't wait to have you on again. Yes. Okay, I'm here. Bye. Take care. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. And we're back. Oh, how fun was that? I love her. I know. She is multi layered. <laughs> She's what wonderful. I can... a delightful kind. I, I just, yeah, what what a delight she was. She, she was always... feel better about life. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's funny. You know, she really was mama on set. And uh, many of us would, would go to her and say, are you okay today? You know, she would uh-huh. notice if something was off. And if, if you were like, oh, I'm having, come to my trailer. So go in the trailer. And she was kind of like on set therapist <laughs> to, the, to the rest of us. Um, she is a, a lovely, lovely person, a brilliant actress. And I, again, lucky me, I got to work with her for that long. Um, so we didn't play the game with our guests, but we are going to play the game with each other. Lil, did you know? Did you know that, did Tara? Know. Did you prepare? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay. Sure. I, I'm going to ask you a question, pulling out of a hat, and then you're going to ask me one, and then we'll do it again, and that'll be the game. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go first. Do you mind? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to go now. Okay. I'm going to go. Okay. 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 Tara, um, if you had, if you must isolate with a stranger, it must isolate with a stranger in this time, who would it be and why? Oh. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Andrew Cuomo. Oh, that's a good choice, and like on every level. <laughs> on every level, no, I. You would. know, Daddy would take care of you, right? Daddy's um, got you covered. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have to be honest with you. He brings, uh, uh, even in his his honesty, he brings such a, I don't know, comfort to me. It's, yes. It's bizarre. It's yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I had wanted him to run for president, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. I don't know why he didn't I jump didn't in. I didn't know but, that. Oh, yeah. I really was a very a, – we, Kyle and I went to a, a small fundraiser years ago around the time gay marriage was about to be an issue in New York before it all happened nationally. And we were in a small room, maybe 20 people, where he came to talk to us. And uh, he shared that, you know, his father uh, – had warned him not, not to stick his neck out on this issue. And he, he, he just said to his dad something like, the time is now, if not me, who? And I thought, damn, that guy would be a good president. And um, I was right. Because he's kind of the president right now of, of the corona crisis, in my opinion. Um, so I couldn't agree with you more because I, I literally cannot watch uh, our, no. Our, no. our thing, um, the thing, the thing. The thing. <laughs> The thing talks okay. about the thing. Okay, you go with a question for me then. Okay, so Johnny, um, if you could only get one thing at the market during this, uh, this you know, 
quarantine, what would it be? Oh, Kim, only one item. Only one item. Okay, but say you have toilet paper and. and yeah, 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 yeah. Paper. Like an I, some something I could get at the market. I would have to say eggs because, well, number one, I've, have you noticed it's the first thing that, like, it's toilet paper and eggs seem to be like what gets cleaned out. But I thought deeply about this because I've had a lot of time. You kind of need eggs to make a lot of things. Like, you need eggs for baking things to sort of, you know, bind things together. You know, an egg, eggs to be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It's a multi purpose food, it's good protein. So I would say eggs. Oh, shut answer. up, because I, I don't cook, so I'm... Well, you could like, cook an egg. You can't fry an egg, girl. Yeah. Oh, I my... Oh, don't, God. Don't, You're one don't of those people. Me. I'm asking you my second question. Okay. So um, here's your choice. Um, you have to choose one of these two, okay? Okay. Cho- choice one. To be the most celebrated actress with all the money and the awards and love and everything that comes with it for two years, but never work again after that, or to be a journeyman actor till the day you die, doing small parts here and there. You can only choose one. What would be your choice? I'm going to be a bitch. Now, what do you mean by small parts? (laughs) I mean, you know, you're like talking, a, you know, like the, part, like the parts you play now. <laughs> oh, no, oh. I don't mean like a five line, like a guest spot here, a little guest spot, like not, it's not a lead in anything. You're, you're, you'll, you get to work till the day you die, but you're just always going to be, you know, gig by gig by gig and not long and not super, super fulfilling or two years of just fame and accolades and never work again. You must make a pact. What would you pick? This is going to, this is, uh, I would pick the fame and I'll tell you why, because I could, with all of that, I could transition into producing or directing, yes. but also I would be able to bring, you know, I would be able to bring up some causes that are near and dear to me. I haven't found them yet, but I'm looking. Um, no, but I think that that would be, I think I would be okay with that. Um, I, although I love... You. I love my career, though. I absolutely I know, love I know. my career. I know. But, so but that's a think, hard one, Johnny. Yeah, I know. I, I did well. Okay. What's my second you question? You did really well. Okay. Your Yay. next question is, out of this horrific time, what do you think will personally change with you for the better? I know for a fact that I am becoming much more resourceful about resources and much more conscientious of not wasting. Um, You know, look, I, we live in a country where food for the most part is available to people. Um, You know, you could still be homeless and go to a soup kitchen and get food in America. That is not the case everywhere in the world. Uh, We are a country that wastes a lot of food. I am one of those people. I am about to go make a chicken soup right now that I that I am using as a base, the carcass of a chicken we ate a few days ago and froze. And so I think that that sort of idea of of precious resources and not wasting them 
maybe something that sticks with me after this, if that makes any sense. That does, and it's beautiful. And I hope yeah. more, more people uh, will will start doing that. I really and, sh- and sharing. And by the way, and, 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 and sharing. Just... I have had such a good time with you and Mary, and I can't wait to do our show next week. Yes, and, me too. Um, I want everybody to just continue stay inside, no matter what people tell you. Yeah, uh, please. Well, inside. actually, please listen to doctors. Please. Yeah. Listen to doctors. Don't listen to go politicians. Go on the CDC. Go to the yeah. CDC website, the WHO website. Please. These are the people we should be listening to, not anybody else. No um, one else. Wash your hands. Social distancing. I love that Mary thought I said wash your hair. <laughs> also wash your hair. That, do that your for hand. Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, keep checking on people. I, 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 I think something wonderful that has come out of this is that we really are. We're beginning to look out for each other again, and I love that. That makes me, me happy. Me too. Me too. Well, and I'd like to say, see you next Tuesday, Tara. You're just disgusting, and I'll take some soup if you've got some. Okay. All right. Love you. Love, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.